headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studios. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. He's the host of the Ramsey Network, Ken Coleman Show, where he talks to folks about their job about their career, about how to make more money every day, how to get out of a toxic work environment every day. And we're here to help you today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Thanks for joining us. Ashley's going to start this hour off in Salem, Oregon. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Hi, Dave. I'm doing good. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? So my husband and I own a plumbing business, and um, it is a debt-free business. And at this point, we are trying to decide when our business is ready to uh, bring on an apprentice or hire a journeyman uh, to help move our business forward. And what kind of business did you say it is? A plumbing. Plumbing. Okay. So you're mm-hmm. going to hire uh, someone into the junior position and uh, work them up, work their skill level up by uh, starting as a journeyman or apprentice. Correct. Okay. Yes. Uh, an apprentice is about a four-year program here in Oregon, mm-hmm. and then a journeyman, journeyman would be someone who has completed the program. Mm-hmm. And so How quickly do they actually start producing work? Mm-hmm. In about two years is when you're no, able to No, 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 no. You're going to put them to work day one. Ooh, yes, yes. How quickly before they actually they do go. some work that has value to your company? regardless of their status as licensed or journeyman or apprentice or whatever. They're going to start putting pipes uh, in right now. Right. Yes. So I, I would say, depending on how well they receive the information, you know, within 90 days, we're going to know if we're going to be probably ready to put them into the apprenticeship program um, based on their performances. Okay. So I guess what I'm looking for is anytime that a business is hiring someone, uh, we have to make more on the work that they do than they cost us. If we don't, mm-hmm. we go out of business. Mm-hmm. And so when you hire someone for $18 an hour, they have to produce something that creates more than $18 an hour for you in savings mm-hmm. or in revenue produced or something. Something has to happen mm-hmm. that, that makes you worth that. And um, as, as soon as they start self-sustaining, meaning they're producing more savings or revenue than they cost, um, then, then you're, it's no longer a problem. It's now, a, it's now a blessing mathematically to the mm-hmm. business. Does that make sense? Yes, that does make sense. And I watched within the apprenticeship program as my husband did it. And as he trained others that were in the company he was at, you know, in, in that two years when they start sending them off to do jobs and then the journeymen's come in and are checking their work. So they're actual revenue is definitely increased. Yeah, but um, if your husband so, can do twice as much work because he's got a sidekick, yes, mm-hmm. you're making money on the kid day one. Okay. Are you turning away work right now because your husband can't get to it? We are turning away a little bit of work. Um, you know, you're coming out of the, the winter season, so it mm-hmm. slows down during that time, and then heading towards summer is when we're going to start picking up even more. Um, so we, if you can we, do we more work with bit. the kid than without the kid, he's starting to pay for himself. That's right. Okay. That's what and I'm talking about. This is I not did. about apprenticeship. This is not about journeyman. This is not about licensing. This is not about that. It's do they create more production than they cost? And at that point, yeah. they're free. 
Okay. But until then, there are costs. Does that make sense? Right. So yeah. if your husband, because he's got a sidekick, can bring in an extra $60,000 a year and you're paying the kid $40,000, you are making money day, as soon as you start that process, mm-hmm. regardless of his title. Mm-hmm. Is that logical? That does, that do, yes, that does make sense. And some of our foundation in that is, like, do we need to have X amount saved up before we hire this person as well? Um, so you need to we, have enough to, until they start making you more than they cost you. So if it's going to be 90 days before they add any value, then you need 90 days worth of their income set aside as extra retained earnings. Okay. If it's going to be, if it's going to be six months before they're valuable, then you need six months of Mm -hmm. their income set aside because they're basically a cash drain until they're not. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what you're figuring out. How much of a cash drain are they before they become a cash blessing? Hey, let me ask you this. Actually, how hard a time are y'all having finding these people? Um, so when we first started discussing it, we had like two high schoolers that were interested because my husband had talked to um, some young young adults, which he'd like to be able to train kids kind of coming out of high school, early 20s. Good. Um, and so we, it's an area that he is passionate about getting into and working with. Um, so I don't think it'll be terribly hard to find, um, but it could take a little bit to find the right um, click because, yeah. you know, not everyone wants to be out digging a ditch in the rain yeah yeah it's like hard work and stuff yeah let me ashley let me give you a little bit of advice really quick on that for your husband um that's true but you got to find the kids that do want to be working with their hands having a lot of autonomy and serving by fixing and if you can show them what that path looks like in one year two years three years and say look if you come in and do that hard work now i'm telling you it's going to pay off big time you've got to sell that and that's on him. That's on you all to get that kid who wants to do the type of work but hasn't been taught how to do hard work by their well, parents. Let me tell you who's never unemployed. A plumber. That's a fact. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> we are always going to need a plumber. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, Always. So, I mean, there's, I mean, car detailer, you might not need. You probably can do that. But yeah. you, you're going to be a plumber. You're going to, That's tra- right. The trades are always going to pay off. Hey, Micro is coming to town with me next week, and we are going to do with Ken Coleman, Dr. John Deloney, Nicholas Eberstadt, and uh, uh, Pastor Craig Groeschel, and uh, Michael Easter, who wrote the book Comfort Crisis. Uh, we're all doing an event here at the Ramsey Event Center called America's Labor Crisis. Hiring in this current environment is crazy. The live stream is free. You can watch this. If you're running a small business, we're going to talk about hiring in this environment. We're going to talk about the labor crisis. We're going to talk about the 7.2 million males, 2554, that are not even looking for work. They're sitting in their mother's basement. And in the great turn of irony, playing Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we're going to talk about all this, and we're going to talk about how you business folks, like in Ashley's situation, what you could do, like Ken just gave her some good insight, what you're looking for, and how to hire in this environment. And at Ramsey Solutions, we're hiring right now. Uh, Other people are firing. We're still hiring. And in 30 years, we've never laid off a soul for financial reasons. We fired people that misbehaved. Are people that didn't weren't any good at their business, but but we've never laid somebody off because we had a, a financial strain, and we're hiring. And believe me, we're way more than just a radio show around this place. There's almost 1,100 of us in this building. So check out the open roles here at RamseySolutions.com slash careers. 
And uh, you, you programmers out there, we don't work 80 hours. We go home at 530. And we don't ask you. Oh, and we don't work from home. We work for work. We work from work. We have a building. We all come together. We like each other. Yeah. RamseySolutions.com slash careers. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz here to tell you about a faith-based alternative to health insurance that can make healthcare more affordable, Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM allows members to share each other's healthcare costs, and it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, choose the healthcare provider you want. Step two, submit your eligible bills. And step three, get reimbursed. CHM members take care of your eligible medical bills. With no network and the freedom to choose your healthcare provider, CHM is the best option for Christians who want to take care of their families and help other believers. Find out more at chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. Ken Coleman Ramsey personality is my co-host today again next Thursday evening, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, right? Yes. Be easy to remember. Uh, Mike Rowe and I will be hosting five top thought leaders, including Mr. Ken Coleman, on the subject of work, careers, work ethic, education crisis. Uh, There's a labor crisis in America. We have uh, 4 million people quitting a month still. And we have seven, uh, we have about 5 million jobs in deficit right now. Mm-hmm. There, there are more jobs than workers. And we have 7.2 million males. I won't call them men that are 25 to 54 years old that are sitting at home, not even looking for work. They're not even in the unemployment statistics. We don't know what they're doing, except when you survey them, according to Nicholas Eberstadt, one of the people that will be on with us on uh, next Thursday night, uh, they are spending somewhere from five to seven hours a day on screens, which means they're either watching pornography or they are playing Call of Duty. So I don't know what they're doing, but apparently not producing anything. Yeah. So except trouble for all of us. So there you go. And CBS News coming out with, when it comes to quiet quitters, highly paid men lead the exodus. Ken, you've been talking about this a lot on your show, The Ken Coleman Show. Yeah, so we've got college-educated men who are making good money who are doing this quiet quitting, this phenomenon that just basically says, I'm only going to do the bare minimum. I'm not going to go above and beyond. I'm not going to plug into a team. I'm only going to do what is expected of me. show up. And show up. And it's really troubling. Collect a paycheck. Yeah, and so what's happening is is you've got men, and this, this speaks to a lot about what we talk about here when you hear us use phrases like work that matters every human being dave longs to make a contribution and when you have a job where you feel like "Eh, i'm not really driven towards a goal i don't have a missional purposeful connection to the work or to the organization and this is what happens and you've got a lot of skillful men who are basically stealing from organizations they are just getting by they're making it through to friday afternoon to happy hour and drinking their face off because there's no meaning, there's no drive. And so that's one part of this male problem. The other part is, what you just were touching on, is the seven-plus million men that are not working. They're 25 to 54. They're working able. Okay, That means they can work, but they're not. And the reason is because they've left the workforce because of status. The data from these economists are showing us that these men are not making the money 
or they don't have the professional status. So think of a title or a job that maybe they desired and the money with it. And so instead of getting back up on the horse and getting after it, they've literally taken their toys and they've gone home. I remember when I was a kid, we'd play with a bunch of guys in the neighborhood. And you, know, you don't have like maybe you're playing cops and robbers or cowboys and whatever. And you've got this whole thing played out. And then somebody gets mad. And they go home and it ruins the game. And that's exactly what is happening. It is a childish response. I'm not getting what I expected out of life. And so I'm going to go home. And, and here's the worst part. That's right. And family members and friends are supporting these men. And the government. And the government. That's right. But they can't completely you know, uh, live this way if we've got family members and friends who say, you know what, it's time for you to grow up. I understand you got your feelings hurt. I understand that you were done wrong in some cases, but you need to go be productive. And so that's the crisis we're dealing with where we have more jobs available than people who are actually looking for work. You know, and there's a sadness that goes with this. Yeah. Um, it's You get a little bit disgusted with these people in a sense when you start talking about them, but then when you really dig into who they are, number one, a whole bunch of those folks uh, – Fauci told them they weren't essential. That's correct. And the rest of the culture stood up and said, you're not essential. How would you like to be told you're not essential? That's right. Makes me excited about going back. Yeah. And um, I was actually having a discussion with one of the top politicians in the middle of all of that here in Tennessee, a discussion. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And um, uh, telling him that we were opening back up here at Ramsey before they were comfortable with us doing that because the data that we had said that we were perfectly safe and turns out we were right. Um, so we opened up and everybody, Dave Ramsey's trying to kill his employees. You remember all that, right? Oh yeah. And so, uh, which is kind of oxymoronic. If I kill off all my employees, I'm not going to get the work done. That's kind of dumb. It's been a lot of money getting these employees. I'm not going to kill them all. Um, maybe one or two, but no, I'm kidding. No, I mean, <laughs> we didn't kill anybody. Everybody Uh-oh. lived. It's okay. So, uh, you know, and he said, he said, well, I thought y'all could, I thought y'all were still at work. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I just assumed y'all were essential. And I said, well, how do you know if you're essential? And he's, it, this is a top. Oh, yeah, a local leader, yeah. The, the top, yeah. And, and how do you know you're essential? And he goes, I'm not sure. I think you just decide you are. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because, <laughs> I mean, nobody ever really got the definition of essential, but we did tell an entire generation of waiters and waitresses to go home because you're not essential. Mm-hmm. We told an entire generation of hotel maids to go home. You're not essential. Mm-hmm. We told people that cut hair to go home. You're not essential. And boy, did some of you get to looking ragged after that. Um, cause apparently they were essential, but not yeah. essential to me. That's but for right. People like That's you, right. I remember you, you were like, you get got a, a haircut. You, got, you, you needed a haircut. You started you calling me helmet bad. head. It was, it, it was, hurt my feelings. You, know, folks. you did look like a helmet. I know. head. It was a COVID head. You know something, Dave, there's something else too for decades. And Mike Rowe is going to be co-hosting with Dave. Dave and Mike are good friends. I've had the opportunity to interview Mike multiple times for our events here. And Mike told us a story years ago of being in his high school with his guidance counselor and above his guidance counselor's head on the wall was a poster that was very popular. And it essentially showed split screen, if you will, on one side is a college grad with a diploma and a dentine ting smile, and he was happy. And on the other side was a guy in overalls with a wrench that could kill a Clydesdale, and he's got, you know, dirt and grease all over him, and he's sad. And that was the message that was marketed to us. And so to add to what Dave is saying. Working people aren't happy. 
Well, you're a loser if, if you're, you don't if you're have in the a degree. Trades. If you're in the trades. That's correct. And, and nowadays, a diesel mechanic and a bulldozer operator make more than some of you lawyers. That's fact. But let's think about these five, these seven million men who've taken their ball and they've gone home because we don't want to just attack them because it is said. Now, here's what they've heard. For decades, we have told people that if you can't get a degree, you're less than. Yeah. And so this has played into the psychology that they wake up yeah, one and day. So now I, I can't do any jobs that are that I'm proud of so that I'm my just, mommy can brag about yes. when she's at this whatever at the nail right. salon. What's your son do? I can't tell you. I'm ashamed of it. My son's a doctor. He's exactly. eight hundred million dollars in debt, yeah. and he can't breathe, and he hates being a doctor. But he's a doctor, yeah. and my son's a garbage man. And he's worth right. eight million dollar net worth. <laughs> right. But see, society has told these men By that the way, they're losers. High probability if you collect garbage, you're going to be a multimillionaire. Right? It's a big money making machine. They're about as they're about as necessary as plumbers. That's right. So, but, but see, Dave, we've told these men they're losers, and now they believe it. And women. In these same things, it's not a. That's correct. Just That's right, and, and so the, the data on this that Eberstadt has, we'll be talking about on Thursday night. By the way, you guys sign up for that free live stream. You go to RamseySolutions dot com. You can watch this. It's going to be about a two hour presentation. It's some pretty heady yes, stuff. Yes. There, there's a lot of psychology involved. There's a lot of uh, economics involved. Uh, there's some moral ethical questions that are involved, and uh, Mike Rowe and I are not afraid to attack those. I'm a little more rough and tumble than he is. Mike's a little more sophisticated in how he approaches these things and a little more gentle with the touch <laughs> yes he's got the smooth and, uh, velvety me voice. i'm gonna throw a spear through your face i mean it's just <laughs> we're gonna fix this crap wow. so i mean it, this is just has to happen it's <laughs> unbelievable i can't stand it it makes me so yeah it's just it's not just a boomer thing because here's the thing of the seven guys seven main guys sitting at home it's they're not doing well no. Their suicide rate is through the roof. Yes, anxiety, depression. Their anxiety numbers uh, and yeah. medicated. The number of Absolutely. them that are medicated is through the roof. Their uh, the depression numbers. Oh, the despair statistics on these guys is absolutely horrible. We have done them no favors by teaching them that it's okay not to work. There is great dignity in That's work. Right. There is great agency in work. Getting a callus is a sign of respecting yourself, whether the callus is on your brain because you faced some stress and had perseverance and grit and walked through it, or whether the callus is on your hand because you run a bulldozer all day and you actually caused crap to happen. There is great dignity in work, and we got to get back to that. We're going to talk about that Thursday night at length. Don't miss it. Go to RamseySolutions.com. Watch the free live stream. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today, reminding you America's labor crisis with Mike Rowe, Ken Coleman, Dr. John Deloney, and other thought leaders and experts on America's labor situation right now. A a free live stream next Thursday night, May the 4th. We want you to join us. It is a free thing. You can just sign up for it. you got to go to RamseySolutions.com, and we'll send you the link and get you all set up. There'll be about a thousand folks here on site at the Ramsey Event Center with Mike and I, and um, we're going to be talking about this. It's going to be a, a healthy conversation. Mike and I have enjoyed discussing this offline uh, too much because we're both <laughs> a little bit into this idea that work ethic matters, that the trades matter, that um, people are essential, 
and that they are their best versions of themselves when they are actually working. Thomas is with us in Greenville, South Carolina. Hey, Thomas, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Certainly. How can I help? So I work at a small manufacturing company. We've got about 45 employees total. I've got a team of seven, and um, I'd love some insight on how to help my team see just the bigger picture of we're all in the company trying to get a single goal, not our department versus their department, um, and want to pitch in when we've got a slow period, let's go help another department instead of having the, you know, not my job syndrome, I'm not going over there. Wow. What is the uh, singular vision? Can you describe it, how you would tell those seven folks if I was sitting there watching you talk about it? In a nutshell, it's uh, ship units, ship breakers. Um, that's that's what we're trying to do. Is we're, we're a startup. We've had about three years going, and, and we're still trying to just get in a rhythm of we need to get product out the door that's quality, that's on time, that meets customer spec, and that's our goal. How many times has this happened, this question you described, where couple or is it the whole team of seven that are griping about pitching in and helping another team fairly unified i've got one guy who's pretty consistently uh just quietly like all right i'm gonna go over here and do what i can but uh most everybody is very comfortable with um this is my job and they're doing a great job with their job um just not wanting to step outside of that wheelhouse Right, but I mean, is the one guy or all seven don't want to help the other team when it's slow and we need to pitch in? Is it all seven or just the one guy? No, no, one guy's doing a great job of helping. The other six. Oh, are, the other six. Are, no, I'm, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm staying in my world. Well, welcome to leadership. Um, what you got to figure out is what's driving that bad attitude. Uh, this is an attitude. Um, yep. It happens here at Ramsey Solutions all the time, where we all say, "Hey, we're going to jump in and help," and 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 it's it's about the big picture mission if this helps them it helps ramsey if it helps ramsey it helps me it's it's we're a part of a much bigger picture and and so when someone's not bought into that it is an attitude and you have to figure out where is the attitude coming from is it selfishness or is it that they don't feel valued they don't feel like they're bought into the big picture and i think that's where you got to start dave to dive into that a little do, bit do you have control over hiring and firing them uh yeah so you could hire new people into the position i could yeah okay all right because you're probably going to fire at least one because mm-hmm. you, you got somebody behind the scenes that's running an undercurrent on you and setting the tone faster that they're they're shoveling the poop in faster than you can shovel it out and you don't know who that is yet because right now you got a blanket six you got one good yep. guy six bad ones all six of them aren't bad Five of them are followers. One of them's the dog, and he's probably going to get fired when you figure out who he is. It's probably the only way you're going to get this cleaned up because this is a disease that's contagious. It didn't just land in there randomly. It has spread, this attitude. And so, by the way, winning is also contagious. By the way, enthusiastic response to the outcome of the whole organization is is contagious, too. It's culture you're building inside the organization. And so the way we talk about it around here is we often say we. This is what we do. Mm -hmm. We, as a team, guys, we as a team, when there's a need over there, we're going to enthusiastically help. If you want to be a we – you're going to enthusiastically help. 
because that's what we do. You may not want to be a we. You may opt out, and if you don't, that you just let me know, and we'll work that out. I'll help you get your severance package together. But we are going to do this, and because when we help the whole place, the whole place makes more money, and when the whole place makes more money, we all have opportunity to be promoted. We all have opportunity to make more money because the place is making more money. When the place is barely struggling to get the dadgum product out the door because we're standing over here with our fingers in our ear then we are harming ourselves because we're shaking up the stability of the whole place you know this money that gets paid in payroll doesn't come from freaking santa claus it comes from the customers saying you did a good job profit is the applause your customers give you and so when we need to get something done around here it is for in our own personal selfish best interest to make this place run as good as it can run because that gives us the most upside we get nothing but downside by sitting on our butts so we are going to be fired up and wired up, and we are going to take the hill. We're going to push the ball over the line and score the freaking touchdown. That's what we are going to do. Now, it's up to you whether you want to be a we or not. I can't make you be a we. And, uh, Thomas, a lot of times when I'm doing a leadership conference, people will ask me uh, how I motivate people. I don't motivate people. I hire motivated people, and I fire demotivated people. And when I get enough okay. motivated people in the room, the whole room will freaking explode with electricity. And I can't make that happen, but I can make the environment happen because you cannot win the Kentucky Derby with a donkey. Mm. Yep. Yep. Do you know who the dog so how, is? You know who the problem child is? Not not offhand. Cause, okay. Because like I said, they're, they're all they're they're great at their job. Yeah. When you take uh, each one of them off for coffee to the side, and you have this wee discussion. Watch your body language and yeah. watch the eyes. Yeah. Okay. That I'll tell was my you, next question. Was, watch, so how do I do, do I hear a, Do I hear a sigh? <sighs> yeah. I'll tell you another technique. I'm being lectured again. Oh, no. This will be okay. the last one because you ain't going to be here. Yeah. So, Thomas, okay. there's another way to do this, too. I agree. You need to do the one-on-one, but I'll tell you the quickest way to figure it out is put them all in the room together, all seven guys, and say, hey, when we've had to jump in before, I've noticed that we don't have the best attitude and I want to know your all thoughts. What are what are your stressors? What why do you what do you see this? Just ask some open ended questions about what you see and get their feelings and watch who they look at. But I don't I don't They'll think I don't think it. your snake will say a thing. No, but the, the others not will a, look at group thing. They'll look at the snake though. Watch. They'll look at them. Yeah, they'll give a side eye. You, you, it might, might happen. It yeah. Good. I'm just saying that's one option. But Dave, can I throw another scenario out here sure. real quick to Thomas? Sure. This is also a part of leadership. It's why we do it. We do it entree leadership. And I, the fact mm-hmm. that you've said that all seven of these guys are good workers, they're just not – six of them don't have a good attitude about being team players. There is a difference. You can be a good worker but not a good team player. And yeah. I just wonder if they are good workers, it implies to me that they have good character. So maybe you come alongside of them and say, this is a way to grow in your life. And, and here's why we do this. The, the, the talk that Dave just gave, that whole we talk, I think you're going to have to train some of them. If they've got good character and they work hard, it is plausible that they could be a good team player, but you're going to have to cast vision and show them specifically like Dave was laying out. I'd rework that exactly how Dave said it. I'd say it that way because I think good workers, Dave, yeah. imply good character. And some of these young men haven't been taught how to to be a well, team you player. Get, you get socialized by the people you hang out with. Boom. And if you're hanging out with people, say, 
Well, the little man can't get ahead. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. It's true. Oh, God, it's Monday. If that's who you hang out with, you're going to sound just like them in a month. So you need some new friends. Really. If Eeyore is their spirit animal, they got to go. We got to move on to something else. Oh, it's bad. It's just awful. I don't know how we're going to make it. Jeez, I'm on. This is The Ramsey Show. Our scripture of the day, Psalm 128, 2. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. James Jordan, the father of Michael Jordan, said, if you work hard, you will get the things you want. Pretty simple. Yeah. Can't disagree with that one. Can't disagree with the results from his son either. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. He wrote the book From Paycheck to Purpose. He is one of America's leading experts on careers, on jobs, on finding purpose in your work. And we are talking about all of that today. The phone number, 888-825-5225. Steve is with us in St. Louis. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, thank you, guys. How are you? Better than we deserve, sir. What's up? So I've got a question about a labor crisis. That's what you guys are talking about. And, boy, I can feel it. A labor crisis is affecting me, too. I own an accounting firm, and we did an acquisition of another accounting firm uh, maybe uh, about a year ago. And with that acquisition, brought over a couple employees. These employees are really good workers. Uh, they do great work. The clients like them a lot. Um, but uh, they don't fit with the long-term vision of the company. Uh, they, they don't fit culturally. They've actually undermined me with some uh, processes, uh, even to some clients in a couple of situations. But with the, the labor shortage, um, I'm having a hard time uh, you know, trying to figure out what to do here. They're not good long-term, but they're great short-term. What, and I'm afraid what, why are they not a culture fit? Why can they not adapt to your culture? You bought their company. Yeah, we bought their company, and they were a great accounting firm for 30 years, and they did not change their processes one bit in 30 years. I know. And why can these people not adapt and fit into your place? Why, why is it impossible for them to do that? I don't think they want to. I think they like the way they used to do it better. Yeah, but I don't think they understand that it's getting ready to cost them their job. I don't know if they understand that either. I don't either. And that's a leadership thing. That's on you. Okay. What they don't like is change. Based on how yep. you described it, I understand. Well, they're accountants. Yeah, right. But most humans don't <laughs> like change. But I mean, but you got to understand that. It's not that they don't want to. It's that they're scared to death of the change. Now, as Dave said, if you lay it out for them and go, you have to change, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to show you how to change. And then they buck up. Well, then they don't want to. But you don't know that they don't want to change. We do know that change is scary for everybody and certainly for accountants. So here's how it would sound if it was at my place. Okay. We'd sit down in private, not in front of anybody else, very calmly and quietly, no raised voices, no swearing, no nothing like that. And we just say, listen, when we brought you guys in, I, as your leader, made a mistake and I need to apologize for that. The mistake I made was I did not communicate to you how important it is that you're loyal to this team and to me, how important it is that you fit in with the culture. Even if you do a good job, you're going to have to do those things 
in order to stay. And I sure hope we can work this out because you really do good work. And mm-hmm. I didn't do a good job on the front end of telling you that doing good work is not the only thing you have to do to be here. And I'm making up for that today because I want to be very clear with you. Doing good work is not enough to let you stay here. We're also going to have to be loyal to me. If you have a disagreement with me, you never undermine me with a customer again, or that'll be your last day because we don't do that here. If you have a disagreement with me, that's fine. I could be wrong, and you're welcome to disagree with me, but you're going to do it with me in private, not in front of a customer. That's embarrassing for you, for me, and for the customer, and we don't do that, period. That's a real breach of ethics. Now, number two, we as accountants are not a people who like change, but change is coming, and we have to embrace some of it. We have to add new technologies. We have to embrace some of it in order to stay up with the times. Otherwise, we will be bought by another firm. That's what happened to your old firm, and it's not going to happen to us because we're going to make the adaptations and change as part of it, and we're all going to go through the pain of that. It's painful for me, too. I don't like change either. I'm a freaking accountant, but I know I have to do this, and you do too. So embracing the change, embracing the new processes, and being loyal are part of doing a good job here. Simply doing the task is not enough for you to remain with us. You may want to opt out based on this conversation, and if you do, I understand. But you need to understand real clearly how we're going to go forward, you and me. And that's very kind. Nothing mean about that, is it? No, not at all. I'm finding a hard time. uh, I think it'd be hard for me to find good replacements for them. And so I feel like I've got to put up with them longer than I would like to. I'm not putting up with the crap you're talking about for 30 seconds. Yep. Yeah. If if you if you want to write a whole series of emails t- trashing the leadership of Ramsey and think you're going to be working here tomorrow, you're confused. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to run me down with a customer, I'm going to talk to you one time about that and say, you know, you, you, I listen. I make a mistake every day. You can talk to me about my mistakes. You can talk to me about you wouldn't have done it that way. But we're going to do that together in private. We're never doing that in front of a customer. You are not going to create problems for the customer and stay here. I'm, I mean, so very short term, it feels like it'd be hard to service the clients without. It, you, you, yeah, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. You're going to have a bigger yeah. problem cleaning up the mess with your clients if these goobers are running you down to your clients. Yep, yep. You're yep. digging a bigger hole every day they do that than you're going to dig by them not being there. I'm amazed at how fast, how unimportant we all are, and you realize that after you're gone for two weeks and nobody notices. <laughs> yeah. And we're all that way. Yeah. I mean, if I went off the air tomorrow, it'd be about three people cry, and two of them would be in my family. And the rest of you would be going, well, what else are we going to watch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'd miss you, Dave. I'd miss you a lot. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, I got four. I got four people. But yeah. There you go. Yeah, four. Ken? Yeah, Steve, you're also assuming here, Dave gave you terrific advice, and you're assuming yep. that they're going to go, well, nope, Steve, I'm not going to make these slight systemic changes. I'm out. You're assuming that they're going to gamble. And you feel like the gamble's on you by confronting them in a very professional way that Dave laid out. And I, I, I don't think you should assume that. Um, and so it's, I could still hear the fear, and I understand where that's coming from. I don't say that from a place of judgment. I'm trying to set you free from it to say, look, uh, if you make it very clear to them that they've got to stop doing this, 
uh, this 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 undermining because it, they're resisting change and they must accept the change. This is exactly what they must accept, or we're going to have to agree to part ways. You got to lay that with them, my friend, because if you stay in a place where you're afraid of it, they will smell that on you, and it will turn toxic. People like that, if it's truly something where they are just kind of a nasty spirit and they sense fear on you. They will take an inch and an inch and an inch and an inch and an inch, and one day you'll just be done with it, and you've had it. And we're trying to save you from that. Let me just tell you, I am amazed that when you kindly and gently and very clearly tell folks what's going on, that almost all the time they get right on board. Yep. Very seldom do you have somebody that bows up and says, well, that's it, I'm out of here. Yep. I agree I mean, with that. Unless they already were out of here and that conversation just finished it, mm-hmm. you know. But if they're if they're fifty fifty, what I'm talking about will turn them and they'll get right yeah, on board. I agree. Because I don't think these are bad people. I think they've just been allowed no. to get away with this crap. Yep. I think they've placated me before by saying, "Yeah, I can make that change," but then they don't make the yeah, change. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, we don't discuss. We don't talk about what you say you're going to do. We talk about what you do. Yeah. And doing things is what we're going to is, is what's going to be required and so yeah. i don't you know if i tell my wife i'm going to send her flowers it don't count <laughs> right. it only counts if i do it right you know my intent doesn't matter yeah it's the actual action and my guess matters. is in this case that their fear of losing their job is greater than the fear of change and then he walks alongside him and said listen i know this is painful i'm going to serve you well I'm going to help you with it. We're going to help you yeah. get through this change. It's yeah. not going to be as bad as you think. Yeah. And, and we can do this together if you want to do it. That's But correct. I can't make you do it. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can make you do is not be here. And I don't want to do that. I think you're valuable. I want you to be on the team. And, you know, and I goofed up by not letting you know this on the very first day. I should have told you this on the first day. Sorry about that. But now we're going to fix it. So here we go. Game on. <laughs> that puts us out of the Ramsey Show in the books. We'll be back with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. Hey, it's Ken. If you like what you heard in this episode and want to know more about getting started on the Ramsey Baby Steps, go to RamseySolutions.com and click on the Get Started button. We'll help you figure out the best next step for you based on your specific situation. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com and click Get Started.